Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we continue our five-week sermon series on joy based on St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. I think one of the primary reasons for not having joy in our lives is a lack of contentment. Perhaps some of you have heard or read a poem that expresses the discontent that is so prevalent in our lives and our world. It reads, it was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and, and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. So many of us go through life always searching, searching for contentment, but never quite finding it. It can be such an elusive thing. St. Paul would be the last person that we would expect to be content in this situation. From the time he became a Christian, he was, his life was marked by hardship, by hostile audiences, poverty, beatings, dangerous travel. And now he was in prison where he was writing this letter from death row. And yet he writes, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. And just a verse or so later, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Note, he says, I have learned. You see, contentment is a learned state. It is an attitude of the heart. It is this inner peace that comes from within us. And for Paul, it came from many years of learning from experience that he could trust God to provide for all of his needs. And I think that part of the problem is that we don't understand what contentment is or where to find it. We've been taught that contentment is sometimes based on the people that we know. If I just hang out with the right people or if I just have the right relationship. But so often we know that people let us down. People disappoint us. Or we've been taught that contentment comes from the positions and the titles and the status that we have. But these things we know can change. They can change in the blink of an eye. Or we think that contentment comes with having more stuff. But we all know that things never quite live up to their promise. Contentment is reaching a state of mind, this, this sense of peace with where we are and with who we are in Christ. Reminds me of a story that I once read about a pastor in Pennsylvania. He was on vacation traveling with his family. They're traveling down the highway when they noticed this suitcase that flew off the top of a car that was traveling in the opposite direction on the other side of the highway. So they turned around and they went back and they picked up the suitcase because the driver apparently 
never stopped, didn't realize they had lost a suitcase. And so they opened up the suitcase, and the only clue to the driver's identity was a, a $20 gold piece that was inscribed, given to Otis Sampson at his retirement by Portland Cement Company. Eventually, it took a lot of research, but eventually Otis Sampson was located and he was contacted. And he wrote a letter to the pastor to discard the suitcase and all of its contents except for one thing, the gold pocket watch. Mr. Sampson used the phrase, my most prized possession, several times to describe that gold pocket watch. The pastor mailed the gold piece back and he wrote a cover letter telling him about his most prized possession, his relationship with Jesus. A year or so later, the pastor received a, a Christmas package in the mail, and in it was the $20 gold piece. And Mr. Sampson wrote, you'll be happy to know that your letter touched our hearts. In fact, you were the first person to ever take the time to tell us about Jesus, and now he is our most prized possession. So what we want you to have, the gold piece. And contentment is like that. It is a learned attitude of the heart. And we find contentment in that relationship that we have with God, with Jesus. And Paul reminds us that contentment cannot really be found in possessions or circumstances. He writes in verse 12, I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and being in need. You know, if, if contentment is based on, on what we accumulate, it can be rather elusive. Several years ago, there was a very interesting poll that found that Americans with an income of about 50000 or less felt that it would take about 80000 for them to live the American dream. And those who were making 100000 or more felt that it would take an average of 200000 to be happy, to be content. And it went that way all across the various income levels. Everyone thought it took just a little bit more in order to be happy. John D. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men in the world, the founder of Standard Oil Company. And he was once asked, how much money does it take to make a person happy? And he answered in all seriousness, just a little bit more than I have. If contentment is found in what we possess, in material wealth, we are in trouble because we will never have quite enough. Paul challenges the myth, the lie that having more stuff will make us content. Verse 13, Paul gives us the secret to contentment. He writes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's contentment came through Christ. And that little Greek word for strength is the word dynamo. You've probably heard me say this before. A dynamo is something that gives continual energy. It is a source of energy. So Paul, in effect, is saying that Jesus Christ is the engine of his life. He is the source of his energy. He's saying that Jesus gives him power, the power to cope with whatever circumstance I face. Therefore, Paul says, I am content no matter what situation I'm in because Christ will provide the strength that I need. 
And that is so true. It is the power of God which gives us the inner strength to do some things that we could never do on our own. For example, when we have been hurt deeply by someone, sometimes it is the power, through the power of God that we are able to forgive them. Or when we face what may seem like an insurmountable and impossible situation, it is only through the power of God that we are given the strength to endure. Or when we've lost a dear loved one, the power of God helps us to live on, to go into the future without them. We can remain content, even joyful in the most trying times because we have this internal power, this inner strength that comes from knowing that we are always loved by God no matter what we face in life. In the late Tim Russert's book, Wisdom of Our Fathers, which is a wonderful book, by the way, he shares a story told by a man named Tom Carroll. Tom grew up in a very Irish Catholic family at a time when there was nothing more prestigious for an Irish Catholic family than to have one of their sons become a priest. Tom spent eight years in the seminary, and he was to be ordained in less than six weeks. And his very proud parents were busy planning his ordination service as a Catholic priest in their home parish with many family and friends. But Tom had come to the difficult decision that the priesthood was just not for him and that he would be abandoning this long goal that he had had. And he was so reluctant to tell his parents that a good friend who was a priest volunteered to go and to break the news to his parents first. And the priest, Father Joe, returned in less than an hour and he said, Tom, Tom, it's okay. It's time for you to go home. So Tom writes, I walked into that little apartment that I had known all my life, and my parents were seated together on the couch, and I just stood there. I had nothing to say. I started to cry and to tell them that I was sorry, and I didn't know why I had waited so long to tell them. You've done nothing wrong to be sorry about, son, my father said. You've done nothing wrong. And he spoke. As he spoke, Tom said the boxes of unmailed invitations to my ordination were sitting off to the side as a cruel reminder of my unfinished obligation. And my fi Irish father stood up and faced me and he said, no one can live your life for you except yourself. Must have been hard on you these past months. You said nary a word to his soul. Me and your mother are proud of you. T'was a tough thing you had to do. And I stood there, awkward and embarrassed. And Tom said with a nod of his head toward the kitchen, my father said, come on now, the tea will be getting cold. You can bring in a cup to your mom. And Tom Carroll concludes, my mother died of cancer only three months later. My father lived for another ten years, but he never brought up the topic again. He showed me right to the end of his life what it means to be a father. And I'll never forget that he was there for me on the day when it counted most. Much like Tom Carroll's father, God's unconditional love for us, even when we let him down or may disappoint him, is the source of our strength and our contentment in life. 
The source of our joy is knowing that we are and always will be sons and daughters of a most gracious and most loving God. May we, like St. Paul, be able to say, I have learned to be content with whatever I have because I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Amen.